And good morning to you, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenster on AM 1030 KVY, the voice of the in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser, and happy Monday to all of you listening all over Tucson and Southern Arizona, and happy Monday uh, to the man making the magic happen on the other side of the glass, Matt Neely. Good morning to you, Matt. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you, Zach. Here we go. It's uh, the start of March Madness, and Tucson is. is in the throes. It is. I think it's uh, one of the best times of the year, and yes, I rank that with Thanksgiving, Christmas, uh, you know, NFL playoffs, all of that is looped into one thing for me. March Madness is right up there. This is one of my favorite uh, favorite times of the year. And you're right, uh, Arizona was what, the number two seed, or the number two ranked team overall, one of the number one seeds in, uh, in the bracket, the field Correct, of yeah. 68, to be whittled down to 64 by the time we get to to Thursday. So a fun time to be a fan of the Wildcats. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, looking forward to our conversation today. It's our Monday morning news hour. Our goal is to talk about the news, issues, ideas, stories uh, that came in over the weekend, shaping the week ahead uh, to slide into the week a little bit easier together. It's just you and me today, which means the phone lines are open the entire hour. 520-790-2040. We'll get to as many of those as we can. Matt will grab you when you call in, make a note, let me know you're on the line, and uh, let's have a chat. Uh, I want to talk about in a second a little bit of our Not a Sports Show show. Just a few minutes there, I promise. Some some funny things that happened over the weekend. Uh, I want to talk about homelessness in Tucson, a topic I don't pretend to be an expert on, but something that I've been looking into more and more, and I now have a personal experience, a personal story uh, to throw into the mix here. Uh, I want to go national, probably in the third or fourth segment. We'll talk about the Biden presidency and the midterms. Uh, One low and one high, or a couple highs for President Biden. Of course, you can uh, call in to argue or agree or whatever you want to do. That's the fun part. Talking real uh, in real time with real people about real issues. And then maybe we'll talk about uh, some census data around who's moving in and out of Tucson. So so that'll be interesting. But uh, that's what we are up to today. Uh, real quick, Matt, I think I had one of the uh, ultimate Tucson weekends this weekend. I don't know what you did on Saturday and Sunday, but I made it to the Tucson Festival of Books, and I think you were there for a bit with KVOI as well. Correct. I was there on Saturday. What a wonderful thing to see all the folks out there. The weather could not have been better, and uh, just great great to see the uh, book fair back, or the Festival of Books back in yeah. uh, back in full swing. They had some big, I mean, they always do. They have some, uh, they had some really big uh, national profile uh, speakers at the at the festival, but here was here was my day yesterday. We uh, you know got on the streetcar on the west side, got some coffee at Decibel Coffee Works. Yes, that's an unpaid plug. Good friends, great coffee. Um, the streetcar was packed to the gills, Matt. It was so good. Uh, the west side there is kind of has a park and ride, and people were using it. The streetcar was packed, 
as it was designed to be. And uh, we actually took almost the entire streetcar line. We went to the Tucson Festival of Books, got my little little ones a couple of books, and then we streetcar back. We went to the Tucson Museum of Art Spring Artisans Market, and that was good. Uh, but it was so good to see Tucsonans outside having a good time and to see people come back into our community and pack downtown, pack streetcar, packed venues. This is March in Tucson the way it should be, Matt, in my humble opinion. Not sure that Matt agrees, but I, th I think he agrees. Uh, so of that was my uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was my uh, that was my Tucson week. I'm always trying to distract Matt over there. Poor Matt's trying to do his job, and I'm distracting him. Um, Real quick, uh, before we before we get to the to the stuff that we actually do the show for, um, our not a sports show segment, Matt. I know this is one of your favorite segments. Um, I filled out my bracket yesterday. I don't know if you did yet, uh, Matt, but uh, I have Arizona winning it all. All right. Um, I have them uh, playing against Gonzaga in the national championship. You know, that's an interesting right then and there. I mean, that that's an interesting placement in the brackets that the only place that they can meet is in the final game, right? That's right. The Wouldn't teacher be... versus the student. <sighs> the, what is it? The uh, the master and the unpadawan or whatever. Um, yeah, no. Well, and, 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 and Mark View is like, look, I taught you everything you know, but I didn't teach everything I know. So we'll, it'd be interesting just to see how that worked out, right? If Agreed. that were to happen. Agreed. You know, and I mean, I think there's been times, Matt, where, you know, Arizona's a fourth seed, a sixth seed, a fifth seed or whatever. And, you know, uh, probably most good Tucsonans will say, oh, of course, Arizona's going to make it to the national champion. I didn't pick Arizona because I'm a homer. I, I actually think that they have what it takes to get to the national championship. And I have Arizona winning it all against Gonzaga, which is everything you said, Matt. Um, is is true, but I think Arizona has a heck of a road coming through. Uh, coming through is it the South, and um, you know they got I think they, I have them playing Tennessee again, which is always a tough out. Playing Houston, I think in the Sweet Sixteen, that's a difficult bracket. But I think Arizona is going to pull it out, and it's not because I'm a homer. I watched them throughout the Pac-12 tournament, and I'm just really impressed. They bend, but they don't break, and they are so deep. Matt, I mean that the depth on that they went through three or four point guards in the championship yeah. and managed to pull it out. So the second half of that game against UCLA was incredible. They had lost all their momentum. They're down twelve points. They just got a the, the flagrant Crazy. foul. They had, had two or three guys in foul trouble. No momentum, and then wham! Here it comes the 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 nasty dunks, the uh, the defense uh, getting threading the threading the needle, getting those passes inside. It was just amazing, and they end up a 20-point swing winning by eight. Incredible. I mean, it really is. I and mean, UCLA I, is no slouch. They're a good team. So, here, Matt, here's this. I have UCLA in the Final Four on the other side of the bracket. Um, I have them beating Baylor um, somewhere in the second or third round, wherever that ends up. I, I, UCLA is a good team. I, I have them getting back to the Final Four, Matt. And Arizona gave them more than they could handle. Uh, amazing stuff. And think about, Matt, where we were last year. I mean, think about, you know, not being allowed um, to, to play into the postseason, so to speak. Think about the just kind of the heaviness that was over the program. Nobody, literally nobody, 
expected you know Arizona to have the most wins of any team in the country at 31 wins and to be 31 and three heading into March Madness as a one seed it just nobody did they were supposed to be tied with Oregon State for fourth in the Pac-12 something like that so I mean this is this is incredible and again Matt on our not a sports show show I only bring it up because it's Arizona and I have them winning and March Madness starts this weekend so I have to bring it up and uh, I have them going far so we'll see what happens well let's let's hope you're right I'm I, I think I'm gonna have them in the final game in my bracket too so there you go you, you have to, Matt. It's it's a must. You, okay. ha- you have to you have to figure that out. <laughs> um, okay, last thing, and I and I and I want this is one last sports item, but I want to use it as an encouragement <laughs> to you listening um, on our not a sports show show because I know Matt that Mondays are hard for people. Mondays are hard. I'm having a pretty good one today, but Mondays are hard. But I got to tell you, wherever you are listening right now, I am doubtful that your Monday is as bad as the unidentified person who spent $518,000 for the ball that Tom Brady threw for his final career touchdown pass to Mike Evans and the Buccaneers lost to the LA Rams in the NFC Divisional Round. Somebody caught that ball in the stands and um, auctioned it off and somebody bought it for five hundred and eighteen thousand dollars. Wowzers! And guess what wow. happened yesterday, Matt? <laughs> Hours later, guess what happened? It's no longer the last uh, touchdown pass that, unless unless he gets very bad in the off season, it's no longer the last touchdown pass that Tom Brady threw. Correct, because Tom Brady unretired yesterday. Hours later. <laughs> So I will I will say that that football is probably worth fifty five thousand dollars. No, it's worth fifty five bucks. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, you think you had a bad Monday? Uh, I had to drop my car off at the repair shop this morning, and my Uber driver on the way back recommended that whoever that guy is get a burner phone, call Tom Brady, and uh, and ask for a personal refund. <laughs> because come on. So I want to encourage you. And I'm, I know that there's real problems out there. I'm not making light of anybody who has like actual real problems going on. But on the whole, no matter how tough your Monday workday is, it's not as bad as that dude's who's now who now paid five hundred twenty thousand dollars for a football, and I could probably buy it off of him now for fifty five bucks, as Matt Neely said. It. Absolutely hilarious. And of course, the highlight being Tom Brady unretired. Um, and I guess we should have expected him to unretire. Uh, but he's coming back for his 23rd, 24th season. Absolutely uh, incredible. And yes, Matt, I think he's an android. I'm not fully confident he's fully cyborg at, at, at this point. So anyway, be well out there, friends. It's going to be okay on this Monday. Now you know why. We're going to go to our first break of the hour. When we come back, uh, I want to get into some serious topics. Uh, this is not a sports show. Um, lots of other great sports shows uh, out there. This is not one of them. But hey, this is our way to get into uh, to get into the flow. I want to talk about homelessness when we come back. Homelessness in Tucson up sixty percent. Uh, I'm getting more current numbers, but we have to think about a solution. I have a personal story about this and some thoughts on what we can do as a community going forward. What I think we should be doing. That and more on the other side. Tipping point with Zach Yenser returns here on KVY in just a minute. The next generation of talk. Tipping Point with Zach Genser. 1030, The Voice. 
Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. Hey guys, and yeah, I mean guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the Sustainable Strength System is for you. I'm hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I don't need, and in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. If you're ready for a three-month journey to help better your health and strength, go to SustainableStrengthSystem.com. Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team. In 2021, FC Tucson was just getting started. We're building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. Hi, this is Tom Sullivan. Join me weeknights from 7 to 10 for The Tom Sullivan Show on 1030 KVOI, The Voice. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning to you. I'm your host, Zach Yancey. You're listening to Tipping Point here on AM 1030 KVOI, The Voice. And this is our Monday morning news hour, and it's a Monday morning news hour with just you and me. The phone lines are fully open First come, first serve, the whole hour, 520-790-2040. Sometimes with guests, it's hard to fit everybody in. We do our best. But without any guests, like today, uh, we get to have real-time conversation with real people about real issues. And that's uh, ultimately why I, I do this show in this format. There's many other ways I could talk and do a mic, but I don't get to do it otherwise than here 
getting your real-time feedback. It's a, it's a beautiful thing, and, and Matt will Matt will connect you up. Uh, I, I want to talk about homelessness in Tucson. As somebody who is watching the issue like everybody else, and I'm not an expert, not claimed to be an expert, but I am starting to do more research and figuring out what other places are doing, what works, what doesn't, how do we get ahead of this issue? The director of Tucson's Housing and Community Development Services Department says that we would need 2,000 units um, to, whether that is beds or rooms, we need 2,000 beds in some format uh, to get every homeless person housed that we are managing in our Tucson community today. And uh, 4,000 is, I think, the number in all of Pima County. Uh, It's 2,000 within city proper within Tucson City proper. And and so that's the number that we are dealing with. It is a number that uh, pre-COVID, pre-COVID was up 60%. We saw coming into COVID, but not yet into COVID, uh, that the homelessness uh, uh, challenge was up 60% from what it had been pre-2019, 2020. And that there was a growing percentage of that number that were facing mental health uh, issues. Uh, And now we know with fentanyl and this community, which the folks on the street tell us, this is a community where it is easy to get a hold of drugs, right? This is not TPD saying this. This is not a shelter saying this. These are individuals interviewed on the street saying this is a community in which it is easy to get a hold of drugs. And this is the situation happening um, on the street. And I think, this is my final piece of the setup, I think we're at a tipping point, right? And I I hope to not make the name of the show a meme, right? I'm not trying to be shticky. We are at a tipping point moment where the window to put together a policy solution for homelessness is open, but it's narrowing and it's about to close. And we've seen around the country when we are in these formative moments where we're seeing a spike and we have resources and time to solve it, that you either take advantage of that window or you don't. And in my mind, most cities don't and haven't. So I think Tucson's in a great spot, but we gotta make uh, we gotta make the right decisions. And so probably this segment and next segment, until y'all interrupt me, five two zero seven nine zero twenty forty, I wanna share a personal story. Um, and then talk about what I think are the solutions from what I've seen as growing best practices, practices that I don't think um, that is the current policy direction that the city of Tucson wants to go to tackle uh, the 2,000 uh, individuals. Uh, but, you know, we've been as a community kind of watching and monitoring the tent city that was growing uh, along the golf links. I think it was golf links in Craycroft area. Uh, now, I'm a, I'm a west sider. Um, that is, uh, I consider that to be east side, although a lot of people would call that central at this point. Uh, but that was, you know, something I was watching and tracking, but really through the news, right? That's not an area that I drive by. That's not an area that I'm in a lot. The area I am in a lot is my neighborhood, which is true for all of you listening. Uh, And I was alerted by a neighbor 
in my west side neighborhood right along the freeway there uh, that there was a tent city growing there was probably about 40 people 40 tents i think there's more honestly after looking at it but i went and on a a rather large stretch uh, between two major streets along the i-10 freeway in my west side community um, there is a large concentrated tent city um, that is uh, growing and uh, this was not a story that tucson shared with a lot of other communities up until the last few years when we saw that 60% spike. And of course, uh, if that was happening before COVID, one can only imagine what the numbers look like now coming through COVID. Uh, and uh, it was, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's flags and it's tents and it's full on encampment um, along the I-10 there, much like you saw along Golf Links and Craycroft. Now, I'm not saying this to say that I didn't care when it was in a different place, because I certainly did, uh, but it's always different when it's uh, almost literally in your backyard. And I got to tell you that this has really raised a lot of conversation in in my community, in my local community, about why are we seeing this and what are the policy responses to it. I want to talk about that in the next segment. But I want to say this, um, that uh, whether you are, you know, coming at this from a housing first model, whether you are coming at this, however you're coming at this, uh, I want to say that I don't think it's compassionate or humanitarian for people to live out on the streets. We have to figure out what is the best model to get people uh, ultimately into housing and work when they don't have it. There's different approaches to get there, but that has to be what we're looking at. And I think there is a growing permissiveness that our community can find slightly better ways, slightly better mousetraps to have people out on the streets. And I think as a community, we have to say first and foremost, we're not going to accept that. Uh, not because of our HOAs and our neighborhood associations, but because the trafficking, the drug and mental health issues, and the lack of humanity of living on the streets is something that our community should just not accept. And we have to say, what's the best way to get 2,000 units available to have every homeless person housed? I'll get into more detail on the other side of the break, but what was interesting to me um, is that Tucson's Housing and Community Development Department and the new Community Safety Health and Wellness Program run uh, by Sarah Lanius, who probably has her name in the paper way more than she would like. And Sarah, if you're listening, I am sorry. <laughs> You've become a very popular person. Uh, are talking about setting up city-sanctioned camping areas, safe parking areas, pallet shelter villages. I found out this weekend that Mero Mero uh, is not in favor of sanctioned encampments. We see some council members, we see some city departments, we've seen Tim Steller's article in the Daily Star promoting sanctioned encampments, in other words, saying that we have to move everybody into a single area that is sanctioned. Uh, Mero Mero is against that, uh, I, I found from her policy team, and I think she's right, to be honest, uh, to be against it. I think there are better solutions. So there we go, table set. I want to tell you what I think the solution is that has best practices attached, that has good examples in our community and outside of our community. We just need to move in that policy direction faster. My idea for tackling the homelessness problem before it gets any worse in Tucson on the other side. 520-790-2040, give me a call. Let's have a conversation. We'll be right back right here after this bottom of the hour break on 1030 The Voice. 
1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. In 2021, FC Tucson was just getting started. We're building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February. Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural loss sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Casser Family Wing of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. Helping you make better money decisions is what the Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning to you. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenster on AM 1030 KVOI, The Voice. Daily in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. This segment is sponsored by Little Love Burger. They opened downtown last fall and have been serving up the juiciest burgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, local brews, and breakfast sandwiches ever since. You can follow them on social media at Little Love Burger. Make sure you see their most up-to-date hours. And here's the new twist, new-ish twist. Mention that you heard about them here on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for a 15.15% discount off your next order. You get to support uh, great people running a great business in downtown Tucson, just a few doors down from the Rialto Theater. Uh, and you get to have uh, a little bit of a discount on top of that um, as well. Uh, on today's show, it's our Monday morning news hour. Give us a call, 520 790 2040. Uh, interrupt me at any time. Real time talk with real time people with real people in real time about real issues. We started out by talking a little bit of sports on our Not a Sports Show show, uh, where I said I have Arizona winning it all in March Madness. And how cool is it that our women's team on the women's side gets to host a couple games here at McHale Center? That's uh, that's pretty cool. But our main topic today related to news is uh, is homelessness. And that's where I went in our second segment talking about the basic numbers that 
pre-COVID, we saw a 60% increase in homelessness. We saw an increase within that of those who are homeless and unsheltered on a given night who are facing mental health issues. Certainly, we know drug abuse and drug use is in there. Now getting us to a point where we have we need 2,000 shelter units or shelter beds or housing, whatever the policy direction is, to get every homeless person housed. Uh, 2,000 in the city of Tucson proper, 4,000 total uh, in Pima County. So I set the stage for this segment, uh, which is I'm going to give you what I think at least a large piece uh, of the solution is because we're at a moment where we have to uh, tackle that. Before I jump into that, I want to give a shout out uh, to uh, some some friends of the show and friends of the program listening. Uh, Ed Ackerley's uh, University of Arizona students in um, in marketing 452. Uh, I know you're listening today. There's about 50 of you. And uh, it's always good to know that there's now 51 people listening, you and my mom. So thank you for listening and uh, appreciate it. And, and now the, uh, the pressure uh, is on. Uh, but I think the, the, the solution that we want to, to look at is, is uh, what has been called more recently the Amsterdam uh, model. And that is a turning really what is kind of current city policy of housing first on its head. Now, now this is not picking on Tucson, by the way. I want to throw this in here. Um, housing First is a federal policy that was supported by President Bush and President Obama. It has been a largely bipartisan policy uh, that says housing first uh, with as few preconditions as possible is the way to get people into a more stable environment and, and to move from homelessness to housed and to having a job. Uh, and that has been probably over the last uh, few decades uh, certainly an experiment in tackling a thorny problem that doesn't go away and will never go away. Uh, we will never house all 2,000 people that need housing who are unsheltered and unhoused in Tucson. Uh, the homeless will always be with us. Poverty will always be with us, but we can take our best crack at it. The, the model that is happening in Amsterdam, and we have a local example of it as well with the Center of Opportunity here in, in Tucson uh, is shelter first, treatment first, housing first. In other words, the Amsterdam model uh, is that it is not humane and it is not helpful to anybody in the ecosystem um, to have folks sleeping out on benches and in the open air at night. Uh, that, that, that we should be providing shelter first to anybody who needs it and strongly encouraging anybody who needs shelter to be in shelter. From there, there is analysis and treatment. Are you struggling with drug abuse? Is there uh, mental health help that we can provide? Uh, or do we just need to point you in jobs services? There's that whole thing that happens there. And then housing is earned. And by housing, we mean whether it is an individual hotel room, whether it is an apartment room, that is earned, that is last. Uh, if you are cleaning up, uh, in terms of uh, drug abuse, if you are approaching mental wellness straightforwardly, if you are applying for work and or uh, working in a consistent way, then the individual housing opportunities kick in. Now, now why do I get into that detail? Why, 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 why is that uh, important? One proposal uh, that is on the table, I mentioned it in the last segment, is a sanctioned encampment village. And a new program set up by the mayor and council told council the other day, look, give us $1.45 million. We'll build a 45 shelter village. We can house up to 90 people. 
But the number I just told you is that we have 2,000 people who need housing. And I think one of the challenges of a housing first model is that it is not scalable to the problem. And whether it is the handful of hotels that have been bought by the city with CARES dollars that only provides a relative handful of individual housing units, we are not scaling a solution to the needs of the problem. And the Amsterdam model, I think, shows that Tucson needs to be looking at taking its available resources. We just had more resources come in for housing and homelessness to the city that we need to be taking a shelter first approach. And what that means is developing more shelter resources where you have larger buildings with more rooms and more bed and more wraparound services. That is that first stage of shelter first treatment first. That 1.45 million put into that effort would take way would help way more people than 90 people more quickly. Now I also want to say a part B to this. We know we've known this for years in this community that our shelter opportunities. By the way, we only have six to seven hundred available shelter beds a night, which is not enough to the scope of the problem. But we know that uh, around half of the available shelters are built uh, rooms or beds are not taken. So to me, the near-term approach is to say as a community, we are shelter first, treatment first, housing first. In other words, becoming a little bit more stronger and, and saying to our uh, homeless encampments, look, we're not sanctioning this. This isn't good for you. This isn't good for uh, uh, any other part of society. We have shelter beds available. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, please sleep here tonight. And by tomorrow, our expectation is that tomorrow night, you're in these shelters. This is the Amsterdam model. The near-term solution is to max out what we have. Uh, I think if we haven't already, uh, reduce our COVID restrictions, because now they can be. Max out the shelter, start building more shelter. That is, I think, the quickest most scalable long-term solution. Now let me close on this. I mentioned that I think Mero Mero is right according to uh, one of her policy advisors that I spoke to this weekend. Uh, there's a lot of council and a lot of staff that would like to see a sanctioned encampment model. As I'm aware, Mero Mero is not for that and I think she's right in not being for that. But there are things that the mayor is for that I think continue to compound the problem. Things like uh, growing uh, food permits in the parks. Now, this is so tough to talk about, and I will close on this. This is tough to talk about because we're talking about humans and humanity and a humanitarian approach. And I think what is difficult is when people who want to look at alternative approaches to solving the problem say, I'm not sure if feeding permits is solving the problem, they get castigated as not being humane. Of course we want people to be fed and well. I'm a person of faith. That is a tenet of our faith, right? Uh, I, I mean, you know, the, 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 the big guy in our, in our doctrine, Jesus said, you know, you are not mine if you have someone said, I am hungry and you did not feed them, right? right? This is a tenet of faith. This is a tenet of humanity. But cities around the country 
are creating permissiveness, not accountability on this issue. And we know that at this tipping point moment, many communities become a magnet for people um, who are not just down on their luck, who, who don't just need a hand up, but are deliberatively using the system for their own benefit. They have figured out that they can get a certain amount of money and live a certain way uh, and, and get away with it in a way that is not healthy for our community. And I think we're at a moment where our community, our leaders, public and private, have to say, no, we're going to go in an approach that favors accountability, that doesn't create magnets and permissiveness for activity that we need to be actively holding to account. So if, if I was in the seat, so to speak, if I had the magic, uh, the magic wand, I think I would go in the direction that I just said. But the direction that the city wants to go is a housing first policy, which flips the model where there is housing first, then treatment. And, and I'm not sure that the data is fully there to support that. So I think Tucson is in a really critical moment. And I wanted to speak to it today because, again, I can walk five minutes outside of my house and I can see... A, an encampment growing that is either matching or exceeding the size of the Golf Links, Craycroft, Kolb uh, area that got so much press. I think I've got a bigger one in my neighborhood. And it certainly forced our neighbors to say, what is our policy on this? Because we can see the problem growing. Right, I'll hint at this in a different topic. We're going to talk about President Joe Biden, I think one low and one high uh, of his administration as we head towards the midterm is I think we sometimes get caught up in all this policy wonky language. And, and I'm probably, you know, first offender on that. But people know what they see. People know what they feel. When, when, when people walk out of the yard and they see the home, they see more homeless around them, they know the problem is growing. When they can sense that crime is increasing, they know that it's increasing, right? And you can, you, can, you can walk data circles around them and you can redirect, but people know, and I think people know, that this is growing. My neighbors know. And we're having an in-depth conversation where there's actually not agreement on how we move forward. You heard one person's take this morning on how to move forward. When we come back, I want to talk about a low of the Biden administration and a high of the Biden administration, maybe two highs, actually, uh, as we head towards the midterms. I think that there is an interesting moment that the Biden administration is in right now, and uh, it, uh, it might be to their benefit. We'll talk about it on the way back here for our last segment of Tipping Point on AM 1030 KVY The Voice. I'm your host, Zach Yenster. We'll be right back. the show check out the podcast at kvoi.com in 1994 the university of arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern pima county and transforming it into a university research park with over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. 
Located just two doors down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger opened just last fall and is serving up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. They're open Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson and mention you heard about them on Tipping Point for 15% off your next order. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural law sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Castor Family Wing of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. Hey guys, and yeah, I mean guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the Sustainable Strength System is for you. I'm hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I don't need. And in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. If you're ready for a three-month journey to help better your health and strength, go to SustainableStrengthSystem.com. Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. This is Bill Buckmaster, the monthly consumer alert from the BBB during the noon hour on 1030 Tucson's Voice for Trusted News Talk. Back to Sun and all of Southern Arizona. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVOI The Voice. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. We've been talking in large part this show. It's our Monday morning news hour regularly on the program. We've been talking about homelessness in Tucson. Uh, in the second segment, I kind of gave you the numbers that tells you where we are. Uh, and in the third segment, I talked about where uh, I think as one person that we should go. I want to talk in a second about, I think, one high, one low and two highs for the Biden administration heading into the midterms as a part of our Monday morning news hour. But I want to go to our phone lines, Pat, uh, with a question, I think, on the last topic, homelessness. Pat, thanks for calling. Thanks for hanging on. You're live on the air. Uh, yes. Um, you uh, were touting the Amsterdam uh, method of of uh, dealing with homelessness, and it's kind of a a tough love approach. It seems to me because a lot of those people uh, are mentally not able to take up your offer. Uh, they may be alcoholic. They may be on drugs. Uh, a variety of reasons. So I don't know how that can can work out for the um, for many of these uh, homeless people. I'll hang up and listen mm. to your answer. Thank you. 
Pat, thank you. Yeah, and, and not not to evi- you know, if, if someone doesn't like what I'm saying, like please tell me. I don't. I'm not. I don't say what I'm about to say to evade any criticism. I'm not an expert on this. I'd like to be in a few months. I'm doing a lot of reading and research on this, but I don't know what I don't know. And I do this show in part to hear from people like you and and offline. Uh, so go, go if you don't like what I'm saying, please give me the criticism. But know that I'm not you know trying to say that that I'm an expert on this. But you're right, Pat. In Amsterdam, there was a guy who wrote a book. He followed a social worker around Amsterdam. And in Amsterdam, they don't really give you a choice, is what I've understood. Uh, now, this is it's not forced. It's not aggressive. It's not a heavy-handed law and order approach. It's just saying, look, we've got space for you. We've got a roof for you. It's better for you than what you're doing now. Um, and look, it's 5 p.m. on a Thursday. You're sleeping on a bench now. Uh, spend the night here, you'll be safe. But on Friday at five, I'm gonna be back. I'm gonna take you to the nearest shelter that we have provided for you because that's the policy choice um, that I've come to understand that is the Amsterdam uh, approach to this. So Pat, uh, you are you are exactly right. And uh, uh, it's a little bit different, but there was a model in downtown Tucson done in partnership between the downtown Tucson partnership and the old Pueblo Community Services, where uh, they reduced homelessness in the downtown area by 90% by doing some of this. It's not it's not apples to apples, uh, but by working with old Pueblo Community Services to say, look, we have housing for you. Uh, we want you to be there. There's wraparound services. And the rate of which those individuals then found sustained jobs and housing is actually really successful. Our downtown here in Tucson got an award from the International Downtown Association for their work. So I think whether it is, you know, the center of opportunity um, that is uh, here in our community, or whether it is the work of the Downtown Tucson uh, Partnership. My good friend Randy Dorman was at the was, was spearheading this along with Kathleen Erickson, uh, the CEO of Downtown Tucson Partnership. There are models. And, and, and I keep coming back to this, Pat, to close, is that these are policy choices. Right, I think Tucson gets stuck in this mindset of everything is happening to us. It is always somebody else's fault. Somebody else never gives enough resources. Somebody else creates the problem. Uh, somebody else is the excuse for why this community can't solve the problem. And I'm saying we have policy choices. And we're starting to see what works and what doesn't work. And we've got some good examples in this community. By the way... Uh, the former head of the downtown effort on behalf of Pueblo Community Services is now uh, the housing first director for the city of Tucson. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that this city heads in the right direction, right? 4,000 homeless in Pima County. Today we're talking about the 2,000 that are in the city of Tucson proper. But it is a tough love approach. It's an approach of accountability. But, but because it is humanitarian to say we have a cost-efficient, human, uh, beneficial practice where we can help you not just be in a unit but still struggling with mental health and drug addiction, but we're gonna help you solve that piece. We're gonna give you a roof over your head and we're gonna do our very best to move you back into a fully integrated member of society with housing, with work, with dignity. Right, and people who recommend anything but housing first get castigated as unhumanitarian. And I think that's a shame. 
because I think everyone's coming at this from the same approach of how do we humanely solve this great challenge that many Western cities are struggling with. I was saying the other day that I've started here on many different topics. Tucson is not alone. XYZ cities are struggling with XYZ issue. To me, it's becoming code for we don't have a solution and don't expect one for a while. Right? I'm not trying to be cheeky, but we, we got to stop pretending that we don't have more agency than we do to make the right policy choices to solve thorny problems. I'm so tired of excuses. I'm so tired of inaction. We can't keep moving at the speed of government on these issues. So Pat, that's my response. Thanks for your call. We've got a couple models that you mentioned that have shown to work in this community as well as obviously around the world. And it is accountability for a better existence. We have, I think, to move in that direction. Because by the data, I'm not so sure the direction we're heading in is working. Right? I'm a data guy. Let's look at the data. If it's working, great. If it's not working, let's change course. No shame. It's just going a different direction. I'm suggesting a bit of a different direction. And I hope in a few months to suggest it from a place of expertise after having continued <laughs> all the research. My thoughts. You can email me zyenser at gmail.com offline, by the way, if you want to have a chat about something when the show is over. Uh, I have two minutes. I'll just mention this. I'll tease it because we'll have time later in the week to talk about it. Uh, the wage deficit in this country probably feels like 2%. And why that's important is there's been many articles written by even publications left to center that say uh, that Democrats ignoring the recent inflation numbers at their peril. Uh, I'm looking at an article from November, but it was talked about just last week, I think in the same publication, the Washington Post, of saying, look, stop telling the American people they don't feel what they're feeling. Right? Yes, GDP is up. Yes, there's plenty of jobs. Yes, wages are up. But if your ability to use those wages to buy stuff is not enough to buy stuff, then you're not going to feel any of the other stuff. <laughs> you can tell I'm on my way to being a, a, an esteemed economist by the number of times I use stuff uh, in a sentence. Stop telling people that they don't feel what they feel. And inflation is taking away all the other benefits of an economy that other than inflation, by all numbers, is actually doing pretty darn good. But if you can't if your ability to do anything with those dollars is less, it doesn't matter. So stop pretending that it's not there. Stop telling the American people they should stop worrying about it and understand and deal with the issue. That's the low, I think, for the Biden administration. The high was mentioned, I think, in a political article. And I mentioned this to a friend. Political article, Biden's presidency has never been so hectic. His service on the foreign relations and judiciary committees is coming in handy, and I completely agree. The ability to move his uh, Supreme Court justice choice ahead as fast as he has and his ability to, I think, make up for Afghanistan in Ukraine to a large degree uh, is a product of his time on, on the Foreign Relations Committee. J President Joe Biden is in his sweet spot. He spent 30, 40, 50 years in these committees preparing for this exact moment. And I told a friend, I can't see, I don't have a crystal ball, uh, but there could be a couple of highs here. Uh, for President Biden, the Democrats uh, to use for the midterms, uh, even as still dealing with inflation and high gas prices. One high, one low, two highs. This is President Biden's moment. And if he makes the most of it, we might be looking at a slightly different midterm. I still think by the numbers, it's going to go the Republicans way. Uh, but a very interesting kind of summer coming up relative 
to last summer. We'll be back tomorrow with more here on Tipping Point, 1030 The Voice. Up ahead, Hugh Hewitt. Up next after that, Bill Buckmaster. Keep us tuned here. Keep us local. Tucson. We'll see you tomorrow, Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Thank you.